Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It's Monday, August 23rd, and I'm Joey Pizzolatto, editor of Auto Finance News. Joining me today is Amanda Harris, associate editor, and this is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending August 20th, 2021. As always, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Alpha, Dealer Track, Defy Solutions, and Walters Kluwer for their continued support. In automotive news, General Motors last week recalled its Chevy Bolt EV for the third time in nine months due to risks that their batteries could catch fire. The automaker will replace modules in 73,000 vehicles at a $1 billion price tag and is trying to get its battery provider, or its battery partner, Korea-based LG Energy, to pick up the tab. GM first recalled about 70,000 Chevy Bolts from, from the 2017 through 2019 model years in November 2020, and then recalled the same group of vehicles again in July 2021 after two repaired vehicles caught fire. Both companies have entered into a joint investigation to determine the root cause of the problem, and LG says the cost will be divvied up based on the findings of that investigation. Meanwhile, Volkswagen, Europe's largest automaker, resumed production at its Wolfsburg, Germany plant this week with only one shift Monday through Friday due to further semiconductor chip shortages spurred by increases in COVID-19 cases in Southeast Asia. Toyota has also taken a hit due to chip shortages and will suspend output at 14 plants across Japan for various lengths of time through next month, succumbing to supply issues that had been navigated that it had been navigating better, better than other manufacturers thanks to stockpiles of chips and other key components. The impact will be most severe in September with Toyota slashing its production plan by 40%. Turning to vehicle finance, this week we're diving into the power sports market once again. Amanda, a couple months ago, you wrote a really in-depth feature on the state of the power sports market in the post or semi-post COVID uh, market. And, you know, since then, we've poke, spoken to quite a few power sports players since then. So I think we're due for an update. So, you know, why don't we just start? What's been going on? <laughs> sure. Um, so one of the biggest things we talked about in that initial feature, um, you know, was this influx of new consumers to the power sports market people who wanted, you know, motorcycles, boats, um, who maybe didn't purchase those kind of things before, driven a lot by, you know, social distancing and needing to find some, some things, um, you know, to do that was safe. The start of summer helped drive that as well. Um, and for the most part, that's still happening. Um, demand is still very, very strong. Um, it seems like the power sports market is still benefiting from that influx. Um, it hasn't really slowed down. So even as of the last few weeks, um, you know, from talking with people in the industry, uh, dealers are still very much, uh, you know, struggling to fill, especially on the new inventory side, uh, the semiconductor chip shortage, just like we see in auto, has a big, you know, impact on production of new motorcycles and other power sports uh, vehicles. So they're not really getting a lot of influx there. Um, when they do get new ones, they're pretty much uh, token for. Uh, again, very similar to what we're seeing in auto right now that we've been covering. Um, so definitely still very much demand, low inventory. Um, and also similar to kind of what we've seen in the auto side is uh, power sports dealers 
are looking to the used side to kind of drive up their business. So many do work um, with used vehicles as well. They have large service departments. Um, so what they're doing is they're incentivizing consumers to either trade in, you know, their, their bikes or other products. You're kind of seeing this like generation shift, maybe people who had, you know, those kind of products for a while who may no longer want, um, you know, the ownership of those or might have, you know, pulled back on, on riding or, or anything like that. Because we know that there's a little bit of an age market there too with power sports um, and it kind of changes. So we are kind of seeing with values being so high, which is again, continuation from when we wrote that initial feature, they're still very high, even though they are kind of normalizing a little bit. Um, they're going to be probably high the rest of the year. So people are kind of incentivized to trade in while they can get a really good deal. Um, so that's kind of where dealers are getting the majority of their inventory right now. Um, we're also seeing a lot like really beef up, you know, the service side. So really like telling consumers, hey, we can at least update your current bike. You know, we can, uh, you know, they'll grow their business via the service business, um, you know, just offer different programs for people to come in, upgrade their current vehicles or, or bikes or boats or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing. Very much still the same story, um, very similar to auto with obviously a few differences um, in there. They're, they're able to kind of source use in a little bit of a different way. Um, maybe sometimes a little easier, just kind of depends, you know, what they're, what they're doing and, and kind of how consumers are feeling about those products right now. And there's a little bit of a seasonality there too, because summer is about to end. Um, so there are certain products that won't be as popular. So they're maybe trading them in uh, now to <laughs> as those kind of ending. Um, and then we'll kind of see that kind of pullback. So they may have a, a bit of an impact in the coming months, but for the most part, things are still very much um, kind of in line with what we originally saw a few months ago. You know, one, one question I have really is, you know, we're in the auto market, we've seen kind of this pent up demand um, kind of, usurp normal seasonal trends and i'm wondering you know based on you know who you've spoken to in the past uh, couple months is there any inclination as to whether uh the industry expects there to be kind of pent-up demand like is normal seasonality going to kind of go out the window or, or is does that still kind of um remain to be seen i think it is still kind of remain to be seen because um they have been so strong regardless of seasonality for, for a while now. Um, but and but the demand is still there and supply is not gonna catch up, you know, anytime soon, just like we're seeing in auto. So I think that, you know, there might still be a little bit of, um, you know, demand outpacing what we would normally see. Uh, the thought is, you know, that that's gonna be higher for the rest of this year at least. And then going into 2022, values will, will be high as well, kind of related to that. Um, because the, the inventory is just not there. So there's not, nothing really to mitigate that. Um, you know, if production was to restart or they got a huge influx of used vehicles, they might be able to meet that pent up demand now. And then we kind of see it start to normalize back to seasonal kind of trends. Um, but with nothing there to meet that, there's still gonna be a lot of consumers who want those products who can't get it yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, especially like as the winter time hits, um, you know, like some power sports products don't usually do as well. Like obviously there's gonna be some things you you just may wait on. Like obviously you're not probably not gonna buy a boat if you live somewhere that's ice 
and stuff for the next few months. I don't imagine you'd want to buy a boat at that point. So they may wait and get like next year when things kind of even out. Um, so we could see a lot of this play out early next season too, with a lot of that pent up demand, um, you know, kind of settling now and picking up later on. So it, it just kind of depends on how manufacturing kind of keeps up and, and gets resettled. Right, right. So another thing, you know, with the power sports market is it seems like a lot of lenders um, are really capitalizing on, on you know, kind of this resurgence of, of the industry. You know, when I spoke uh, earlier in the month to, with Jason Gus at, at Octane Lending um, and, you know, talked to him about, you know, their, their in-house lending arm, Roadrunner Financial, you know, they're really they've got their eye on the prize, right? They're, they're looking to expand um, their securitization cadence. They're looking to expand their technology. Um, any sense, I know you talked to um, Thunder Road Financial late last week, um, and, you know, I don't want to give away our entire spotlight feature, um, but, you know, any, any insights as to, uh, you know, whether Thunder Road is also capitalizing on, on that growth or potential growth um, looking forward? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously they're, you know, tapping into that just like anybody else where their dealers like are doing kind of what a lot of what I said, you know, going out um, searching for, you know, used vehicles, things like that. They're working to support their dealers right now in every way that they can, um, you know, especially as inventory is so tight. So they're really trying to make sure like, you know, that the funding part gets handle quickly. Um, so there's been a lot of adoption of technology around that side. So e-contracting, things like that. Um, just really making sure that, you know, dealers are supported um, while they are trying to find that inventory. And luckily, since a lot of them do work in the used market too, um, they're kind of well positioned uh, going into all this happening uh, because they do have multiple, they're multi-line dealers, like multi-line product dealers. They don't just sell one thing. Um, and they, they have that kind of, you know, um, ability to get those used units as well. So that's kind of helped them. Um, so that's really the main thing is, you know, they're just really making sure that they're doing what they can uh, to prop up dealers, just like any other um, lender who has dealer partners, you know, has been in just different ways with it being the power sports market. Um, it looks a little different, uh, but at the end of the day, it's still the same goal. There, so. Right. Right. Well, you know, not to not to spoil anything, but you know, later this week we will probably have a story on on uh, marine um, and that and that aspect of the power sports story. So all our viewers be on the lookout for that. And as a reminder, the Power Sports Finance Summit returns live October twenty sixth at the Wynn Las Vegas. Um, and as always, we'll provide attendees with an in depth look at the market, networking opportunities, and strategies for how lenders can tap into the growing demand for power sports power sports products. That's a mouthful. Uh, uh, we want to hear from you, rate the roadmap on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast and uh, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you, uh, see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.